Welcome to the IEEE 5G Transmissions Podcast, an IEEE Future Directions Digital Studio production. In this installment of the IEEE 5G Podcast, we ask a group of industry experts, what is your boldest vision for what 5G can bring us? From the technical to the whimsical, our savvy group of 5G professionals share their thoughts, starting with Robert Fish, member of the IEEE 5G Steering Committee and Vice President of Industry and Standards Activities for the IEEE Communication Society. I think the greatest opportunity really is, as I mentioned, in agriculture. I think, you know, we have to, we're going to have to feed, we're going to have to feed 10 billion people on this planet. And, uh, uh, you know, take, uh, it takes a lot of ingenuity to do that. And I think uh, being able to instrument uh, farm fields and uh, uh, aquaculture, you know, fish or whatever, uh, and uh, all the different ways that we we are we have to grow food, then if you can do it more efficiently and with less waste and with less pollution, then I think uh, I think it becomes possible to feed that 10 billion people. And so um, I think there's a, a lot of room for ingenuity and in how to use network intelligence, uh, which is really what. 5G brings you to, to do that. Imagine if you didn't, for instance, if, if you had a field of, let's say, rice in the Philippines and you knew exactly where you would have to put in some more um, fertilizer and other places you should put in less, right? So it's a very efficient use of, of resources and money and to get a, a given yield of, of rice. So I, I think that's uh, that would be a, a very, uh, very fruitful and I think a, a somewhat different in uh, vision for what you could use do with a, a 5G network. I, I don't necessarily think that the uses are people-centric in the sense that we're just going to, you know, watch more, uh, watch more movies or something. I think uh, I think there are other other things we could be doing. Uh, so you could certainly envision uh, using water much more intelligently, uh, only as much as you need it in a given application. You could think about, um, uh, you know, most of most water is used in agriculture. Uh, so, um, and uh, being able to measure, uh, distribute water very intelligently, or pump water intelligently or um, uh, uh, you know utilize it in a variety of other ways for instance one thing I, I learned uh, at one time in India again is that the uh, the, the national grid t- t- tends to turn uh, to go down or run into problems when all the farmers turn on their um, pumps to bring water to the surface at the same time, and um, and if you could, if you could coordinate somehow all those pumps, those irrigation pumps, uh, turning on so that uh, you didn't need to uh, build a national grid that would power them all simultaneously, but you could uh, bring them on in some intelligent fashion when. Uh, when and only when a, a given field needed it, 
you could probably save billions and billions in infrastructure costs as well as provide a lot more uh, a lot more efficient agriculture so uh, you know the infrastructures um, I think, you know, what you'll see is a, a combination of energy, yes, and communications, yes, and computation as well. I think, you know, when you talk about something, as I just did, about a smart pump, that's a pump that has a computer in it, and it's, it, it's, it's computing something. It's ma making, taking some measurements, and it's sensing what's going on, and then it's doing something, and it's then communicating with both the grid, the power grid, as well as with the communications grid to let others know what it is doing so that they can act appropriately. So I think it's the integration of power and communications and computing that is where the really big technological win will be. Up next is Eileen Healy, member of the IEEE 5G Steering Committee and co-chair of IEEE Software Defined Networks. 5G and software-defined networking, also known as SDN, are uh, very intertwined. And SDN is actually a key component of 5G in the sense that it, what SDN does is uh, move us towards the transformation to softwareization, what we call softwareization, which is an environment where networks are not uh, intimately tied to very specialized hardware. This is something that in the past there has been very specialized hardware and not, now there's not. So my boldest vision for 5G, especially as it relates to this softwareization of the network, is what I'll call localization. And so there are many things written and said about the technology of 5G and um, what the implications are of that technology, but from a human standpoint, from a society standpoint, I think uh, a a, uh, a bold vision of where 5G is taking us is that it will enable and empower local communities. So uh, that that is empowerment that uh, that relates to local more local control, more local content, um, and more local innovation. And the reason I say that is because without getting down into the technical weeds of why this is necessarily so, a lot of the capabilities of the network are moving towards the edge. And if you look at human communication, it is um, a very high percentage of communication is local, as is our, our, our um, societies where uh, most of our interaction are start at the family level and the community level. And if you think about networks, uh, and, and actually all human society, we tend to, to ebb and flow between um, distributed and centralized human, human uh, systems. Uh, 
telecommunications for the last hundred years has been um, centralized and actually even becoming more and more centralized. A hundred years ago, we began to build national networks, and today we are completely globally connected with very large network operators and service providers. But what um, the future, uh, the potential uh, for the future is to have some of this control and functionality uh, become much more localized. So a couple of analogies that uh, might put this in context are if you look at what's happened with, with uh, food, um, where once upon a time everyone grew their own food and all food was local, and then we moved into uh, an environment where food was mass produced and we have agribusiness and we have uh, foods shipped all over the world in any season at any time, and that kind of environment has certainly certainly has many benefits. But we've now moved more towards people being uh, seeing the value of of providing their food locally and supporting local growers. Uh, that's one example uh, that I think is akin to what will happen uh, or the promise or potential of 5G. Another example would be energy, where because it required large centralized systems uh, as we electrified society, um, we had large transmission networks, um, but today we're finding more people um, generating their own electricity using, for example, solar panels. And even the distribution, the whole uh, distribution of energy in society is being, is being um, uh, transformed by that. So I believe that 5G offers this, a similar opportunity uh, for uh, we have things, there, there, there are a lot of technical details. We have things such as network slices and the ability for, um, for there to be more localization of even the functions that today are, are provided by large service providers or network operators. And I think that just putting that power in the hands of local people will have some impacts on society that will will uh, be unpredictable, um, beneficial, maybe some things that will be not beneficial, but I do believe that this is part of uh, a bold vision of what, what 5G offers us, what 5G will enable, and what 5G um, may promise. Dr. Charles DePayne is the co-chair of the IEEE Green ICT Initiative. Here is his vision of 5G and what's ahead. Uh, basically, uh, since I'm co-chairing the Green ICT Initiative uh, in IEEE, I guess I'll take a, um, uh, a different twist on the uh, on what 5G can bring to us, and that's related to uh, uh, to some environmental impact. And you know, when when people talk about uh, 5G, of course, there's the uh, uh, the issues of uh, uh, lower latency that come up, uh, the higher speeds, of course, and also the change um, in, in basic architecture of the networks uh, towards uh, virtualized architectures uh, that is necessary for, um, uh, for basic economic imperatives in the industry, simply to make uh, uh, the network scalable. 
uh, in the era of big uh, big data and big everything on the networks, basically. Um, what um, what's maybe less known is that um, we can actually leverage uh, this new type of architecture uh, to generate some pretty significant environmental benefits. And uh, the backdrop to this is that uh, over the past, uh, I'd say since the emergence of the Internet and over the past two decades, um, the, um, uh, the environmental impact of uh, telecommunications and information and communications technologies in general has been growing quite rapidly for the simple reason that uh, devices um, and infrastructure has been proliferating at an incredible rate uh, throughout the world. Uh, and so the, the energy consumption of networks um, has been increasing dramatically. And also the, um, the carbon footprint uh, and pollution footprint, uh, air pollution footprint, basically, of networks also has been increasing dramatically because a lot of the huge increases come out of countries like, uh, for example, India and China, where uh, a lot of the uh, energy sources that power the telecom infrastructures are basically non-renewables, are very often driven by, uh, by coal or other thermal sources as opposed to renewables. And uh, with the result that nowadays uh, the um, the uh, the carbon in, the carbon emission impact and as well as the uh, air pollution impact of, um, of the industry is actually the same approximately as that of the aerospace industry, and that's not quite known. <laughs> and that may be surprising when you consider uh, that uh, all this stuff is ubiquitous. That basically. Uh, um, uh, telecoms today are ubiquitous. Everybody's got smartphones. I think there are more smartphone or more uh, electronic devices of various kinds in the world than there are human beings. Uh, it's not it's not surprising. What's interesting and what we're looking at in the Green ICT initiative uh, are ways to um, uh, leverage uh, the new type of architecture that's coming up with 5G that's based on virtualization to actually uh, mitigate and reduce uh, that pollution and uh, carbon emission footprint, uh, in the latter case, that leads to climate change, uh, quite substantially. And um, we're developing methods to do this, uh, basically by seamlessly, by, by first of all, I should say, by, uh, by developing um, uh, standardized methodologies uh, to assess the footprint uh, of an infrastructure uh, or an application that is run on an infrastructure, and then also to develop methodologies uh, that uh, uh, will be able to mitigate and reduce that footprint by seamlessly migrating the execution of network functions or applications um, from one uh, virtualized part of the network to another uh, according to the availability of uh, renewable energy uh, in one location or another. Uh, and that's quite a powerful uh, set of, uh, of technologies that uh, can actually help uh, to reduce, potentially up according to different studies, up to 20% of a planet's uh, greenhouse gas emissions over the next decade if we do it properly. And so that's a, a, a quite a nice side benefit of, um, uh, of 5G that many people don't talk about, uh, but that more and more 
people in the industry are starting to look at uh, as it can turn what uh, uh, what could be and could become a, a really uh, negative uh, aspect uh, of our industry into actually a positive one. And uh, and that's what we're working on basically in the Green ICT initiative, among other things. Uh, but that one for 5G is something that is, is quite promising. And uh, currently in the initiative, we have uh, three standard working groups uh, that are looking at different aspects related to these uh, to these things. Uh, so that's really where, where I think uh, 5G can bring a, a, another contribution uh, and uh, uh, to, uh, to help uh, basically drive sustainability. As our last interview in this episode, we hear from John C. Havens, Executive Director for the IEEE Global Initiative for Ethical Considerations in Artificial Intelligence and Autonomous Systems. In terms of my boldest vision for 5G, I think the biggest opportunity we have uh, for all this exciting speed and connectivity, and I love the term um, tactile uh, um, uh, internet or tactile usage of the data in terms of how we interact with the virtual world uh, almost in real time because of no latency rates, etc. The biggest opportunity, and I would also say mandate, is to clarify, organize, and let individuals control their personal data in relation to 5G. One thing that's critical to think about is that any of the issues of lack of clarity around personal data that we have right now could very much be accelerated and uh, increased exponentially with 5G, and that has nothing to do with anything that is the, quote, fault, and I'm doing air quotes here, of, of technology providers. It's simply the fact that from a cultural standpoint and from a human standpoint, uh, right now individuals in general, um, certainly in the States, and around the world don't understand how critical and precious their personal data is. So one thing people listening might be like, okay, here we go, the personal data privacy talk, I'm not interested, privacy is dead, et cetera. You have to stop thinking that way. Have to. Here's why. Privacy oftentimes is seen as a preference, meaning one person likes to share their data, the other person doesn't. This infers, however, that they have the same platforms or the same control on different platforms to control that data, which is simply false. This is an elephant in the room we have to discuss as technologists so something as awesome as 5G can be truly as powerful and also increase the well-being of society as we want it to versus just having awesome technological progress while people, there may be unintended consequences to their, to their uh, use of data. And this is my biggest, boldest vision for 5G. What if, before a person even experiences any of that awesome connectivity and speed, there's a simple menu that came up on their phone, or if it's in their house, it's on their Google Nest, or Alexa speaks this to them today, right, and says, my name's John. So, John, before you do anything else, we recommend that you go online and answer these 10 to 15 questions about how you would like your data to be shared. This will provide you protection for, say, your kids, about you know protecting them from evil, genuinely evil actors online. It will help you organize your data for advertisers, meaning what information you'd like to share for when and how long. It will help you with your medical data. 
It will help your medical practitioners and hospitals and caregivers and insurance providers understand your preferences around how you like your data shared. And then it can organize it and classify it in such a way that attached to a trusted identity source in the U.S. that might be your passport or your driver's license. In India, they have a double authenticated tool that they're now using with 1.2 billion citizens. And that just means the system knows that I'm John. With those simple 10 or 15 pull-down menus, you can create a portrait of your own terms and conditions for how you'd like your data shared. That doesn't mean it's always honored and also doesn't mean that you own your data, but it means now your data is not a commodity when people know you're the only John Havens that can say these messages about your data. Now it means that organizations can say, wait a second, John has told us. He has signaled how he wants his data shared. So before he moves his hand in a clockwise motion and with haptic technology, now that 5G has enabled this, he's able to interact in real time with the avatar that he's seeing through, through a Microsoft, uh, a, uh, a micro, uh, blanking on the technology, Microsoft Halo Lens, maybe the wrong name, sorry, or Facebook with Oculus Rift. Before he waves to a friend and the Facebook Oculus Rift virtual social environment of social virtual reality. He knows. He knows. I have told everyone how I like my data shared. And algorithmically, it can be a guardian, as it were, an algorithmic guardian for who I am, my values, my subjective truth. This means that when we get into this beautiful world, this unimaginable, fantastical world of 5G, that we also do it not just with safety, and don't roll your eyes about privacy. This is clarity. This is what is essential, and this is what IEEE can offer. It is, period, full stop. If we can't access our data and correct it, the erroneous data and the chokehold of third-party data brokers on the system will continue to influence all of the glorious beauty of what 5G could be. It's an elephant in the room. We need to let the elephant out. And by the way, I don't even mean to demonize the third-party data brokers per se. They have so much great data that could be corrected, that could be used, but it needs to be shared. It needs to be. Or we cannot talk about advancement of technology unless these elephants in the rooms are not addressed. We can't. We have to prioritize human well-being. And it's the opportunity of a lifetime. And I can't wait for all the amazing people at IEEE working on the 5G project to prioritize the clarity of human data to keep democracy, to keep choice, to keep the ability to project our subjective truth and our identity with clarity in the coming virtual arena. I cannot wait for that big, bold idea to come to fruition. Thank you for listening to this edition of the IEEE 5G Transmissions Podcast. Discover more about the IEEE 5G initiative and inquire about participating in this effort by visiting our web portal at 5g.ieee.org.